started with all this. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Entertaining Stupid Podcast, and uh, another segment of With My Buddy. And uh, this week, I got I got my buddy Dan with me. How are you doing today? Not too bad yourself, Jason. Not too bad, not too bad. And uh, yeah, I got Danny on board here, and uh, what I really want to talk to you, Dan, about is, I guess, uh, mental health. Uh, yeah. I think, I think out of our friend group, you have the most experience, uh, or maybe the most outward, uh, I guess, experience with it all. Cause I think it's generally yeah. understood that in our group of friends that you've, you know, you've had, uh, problems before. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> was it like a lot of anxiety, depression or, uh, you know what, actually let, I'll start it with, um, with how it all started. And okay. then that's kind of the easiest way to go from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, without a doubt, like I've had in my history of mental health and it all started about first end of year one nursing, which would have been when I was 22. So five years ago now, um, it was year one nursing. I just remember year one nursing going, I went into to school and it went really well. I was really into studying. I was staying late even at the, at, at, after school. I'd stay, I'd go to the gym and then I'd stay in the library till about like nine to almost 10 sometimes. So I would be really diligent. And I kept that up all year one. And then at the end of year one, I even had a girlfriend at that point. And um, at the end of year one, I remember just, it was, it hit me, not not exactly the end of year one, but pretty much in between year one and year two. It just started, like, I started getting the feelings in year one. But all it was is that you start slowly losing interest. And the best way to describe it is that in, like, say, for example, you get up and normally you say you're excited about, or at least in some way, you're like, oh, Oh, we're doing something with my friends today. Say, for example, on a Saturday, you get up. You're like, oh, me and my friends are going to do this today and this. And there's always a bit of excitement that kind of that draws you that or makes you want to actually get up and do it. And the best way I can describe it is year one uh, in the summer, I just woke up like after I didn't, you know, it kind of sneaks up on you. But all of a sudden, more and more, I was wanting to do things like the things I loved less and less. Like I'm, a, I'm quite a nerd, so I really enjoy video games and I stopped enjoying them. Like I kind of just were playing them just for the sake of uh, playing them. And it didn't hit me until like probably the end of the summer where I uh, just through talking to my girlfriend too, I ended up, uh, she was the one that kind of opened it up and said, Hey, you know, do you think you're having a bit of problems? And like when she, when she voiced it, cause she, her, uh, her, her, uh, actually I won't go into that, but essentially, but she voiced it cause she is a, she knows people with uh, mental illness. Mm -hmm. And from there, I remember calling my mom after one uh, lecture and just saying, you know, I'm like, mom, I'm like, I don't think I'm, uh, I'm happy uh, right anymore. And she's like, oh, and like, it took my mom by surprise. Cause, and I, and I think a lot of people in my household by surprise. Cause like until then I was really good at putting on a mask. Yeah, like were... I could always put on, oh, sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 no. It's, it's fine. I'm just, I'm just thinking like that. I'm agreeing with you. You mm -hmm. in a social environment, very project outwardly, a very charismatic type of person. Oh, 100%. And so I was able to maintain that um, at least up until the end of first year. And then at the end of first year, I started I started having cracks where I couldn't keep it up anymore. And I found that more and more I wasn't having fun and all that. And after I talked to my mom, I got a, a I got an appointment with my doctor, went to go see my doctor, told my doctor how I was feeling. And then she ran me through a bunch of tests or a bunch of uh, survey questions to see like how I would score. And and needless to say, like I fell under the category of severely depressed and so, or clinically or clinical depression. And so she diagnosed me with clinical depression. Uh, she had me to go get some blood work done. And then was we were, then we were going to start discussing about counseling and maybe potential drugs or things I could take that could kind of bring me back to step zero. Cause at the point, at the moment I gotten, it was, it wasn't the worst I'd ever gotten, but I was getting close to the worst I've ever gotten where I was starting to have days where I'd, I'd stay in bed. Okay. Like I wouldn't get up. I would stay in bed from, I would say, I don't know, anywhere from, I guess in the morning, like I would wake up about 11 and I'd stay in bed until four to five when my family forced me out for dinner. And then after then I would pretty much go back to my room. And I remember that. And that was after, like that was pretty much right before I started. I talked to the doctor, talked to the doctor, got start, got to start on sertraline, which is an antidepressant. And then I started seeing a counselor at school that was uh, relatively free, so it was really nice, and and started going forward. And the best way I can describe it, um, depression, like in its entirety, for me at least, and at the moment when it's like hit me the worst, because that was like right after I saw my doctor was when I hit my my worst. Mm -hmm. I ironically like I got I got diagnosed, but from that point that was the moment I think 
it was about five days after I saw my doctor, about six days after I saw my doctor was when I had my first moment of like actual suit, like a genuine, like not, it, I'd say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say suicide attempt, but like I was to the point where I was out driving for about four hours and just constantly kept passing the same bridge, like the same underpass. Like okay. there was a huge concrete barrier. So I thought, I'm like, I'm just going to hit it, right? I'll hit it hard. And I remember that was the lowest I've ever gotten. And at that point, the best way I can describe it to you is that you get up and there's, and there's nothing like there's no, it's not, it's a sadness, but it's not a sadness. It's just that you don't want to do anything. There's nothing in the world that brings you any, like anything. You're not interested in it. You don't care about it. Nothing could bring you out of like this. It's, it's like a cloud. It's like a heavy, heavy cloud that just everything's, everything's dark. Everything's dreary. And yeah, like eating, you even start, start to stop to enjoy food. Like I really only ate to get full cause I didn't want to be hungry. Okay. And of course it's also a coping mechanism, right? So you, you start to drop onto that, but yeah, so essentially that was my beginning of my depression, the worst of my depression. And yeah, the best way to describe depression, you get up and there's nothing in the world that you, that, that, that could bring you joy, happiness, or even make you want to care. You don't care about anything. Okay. Okay. Now, now you kind of explained that um, your girlfriend at the time sort of saw like this, this turning point in your personality and, and everything like that. And, and sort of asked you if you're okay. Uh, mm-hmm. When you realized that there was, was an issue, was it difficult for you to try and seek help? Uh, I know there's a lot of sort of, I guess the stigma with, with like, you mm-hmm. know, mental health and stuff like that. Like, was it difficult to, for you to, I guess, I'd talk to your mother about it or, or, you know, talk to uh, a doctor about it. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's, that's well put. It, and it's true. There's a, um, especially, I, and I know it probably is, I, I don't know, but I assume it's like that with women too. But I know, especially as a guy um, or as a man, you, you look and you say emotions or anything of like that is weakness. And to show weakness is to admit that you're not a man or you're not much of a man. And I remember my first thought was when I went to the doctor, she told me this, it's a it's a mixed feeling because it's a weight off your chest because all of a sudden it, it well not all of a sudden it it's still a process but you kind of accept you're like well maybe this isn't just me because at one point you just think oh I'm a shitty person mm-hmm. like I'm, that's just who I am I'm just a shitty person everything shit like that's just who I am and then when she when you get a diagnosis you're like well you know maybe there's something else maybe I can fix it and when you get that that's nice but then the other caveat that comes with that caveat is uh you go and immediately like you said I didn't want I didn't want any one of my friends to know. I didn't want even my other family members to know. I just told my mom and I just wanted it to be between me and my mom for a moment. And I remember with that, when it came to uh, medication, I, I told, I remember my girlfriend at the time, it was really convenient because she again had a, she knew people and had a, like a history with friends and family who had had mental illness. So it was, it was nice because she was able, she was very non-judgmental, and I worked my way into uh, taking medications, but I had her, I'm like, please don't tell anyone. Like, I don't want anyone to know this. Right. Cause you're embarrassed. Yeah. Cause you think, and you look to yourself and, and I'll admit when I started taking the pills, my it's, um, I look back at it now and I think different, but I, at the moment I took my pills and I go, well, I'm crazy. Right. I'm mentally unstable. I'm, I'm weak. I'm just, uh, like I'm one of those people in society that needs to be helped along. Like I'm, I'm a burden. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking all that with, I'm like, if I need meds just to be normal, like I'm fucked up then. Like, and, and yeah, you go through a lot of mental uh, gymnastics there, but eventually I was able to get kind of over it. Cause it's kind of nice at one point in depression, you stop caring about uh, there's nothing, right. You don't care about anything. So at one point I was so low. I just, that's when I, I remember not the first, not when I got suicidal, but before that, when I told my mom, it's just because I was so low that I didn't even care about the stigma anymore. Right. You get to a point where you're like, you do afterwards when you start getting better, you don't want anyone to know about medication. But when you're that low, you just want to get anything to get this cloud uh, uh, like off off your shoulders or, or above your head. Mm-hmm. You just want to get it out of there. But no, I, I was able to open up to everyone eventually. But yeah, it's it's tough. And it's a definite stigma that as a guy, too, you just you don't want to be seen as. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to see as, as you know, less of a man, um, especially when, you know, we're right around our age, you know, late twenties, almost 30 there. Uh, you know, we, I think there's like a pressure where this is supposed to be like our, our prime, uh, I guess years or something like that where we're supposed to be at our, at our best. Um, and then when you stumble and, 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 and 
start facing something like that, it just feels um, like you're not meeting expectations. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it, and right, and it and it uh, and it can kill you because you're you're raised that you will meet these expectations, and that's what a man does, right? And a man is strong, and a man doesn't cry, and all that kind of stuff, which is ironic because that's that's you know really that's really suppression, and that doesn't help anyone. Oh, it definitely doesn't. Uh, now, while you were going through these uh, uh, bouts and stages of, of depression, like, did you have any sort of coping mechanisms to try and uh, help you get through the day? Yeah, um, I think, uh, and I, I understand it now, especially, and I like everyone has their vices, but even before then, my vices would have been probably video games, alcohol, uh, weed, and then. That's about, yeah, the three big, and food are like the four biggest vices I could say I have. And after I started getting sick, I, you know what it is? And I should have noticed the signs because even before I went to the doctor and all that, I started going out less and less. I started taking less time for activity, like physical activity. I stopped working out so much. I didn't have interest that much or I, I found excuses not to do things and they came easier. And yeah, I, uh, the essentially the whole time I thought to myself, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm not feeling it, but that ended up turning into a pattern. And eventually I noticed that like, I got to a point where I, for right off the bat, I jumped into mainly, that's uh, sorry, I'm getting convoluted to mm -hmm. jump back in your main point. I mainly jumped into right off the bat. Alcohol was the biggest one I jumped into and then uh, gaming, those two combined. And I, like, I did a bit of eating, but, and we, but not necessarily a bunch. It was alcohol and gaming was the most. And I remember at one point my parents were gone at the cabin and I was home, and this is after a point, like, and this was right after, uh, like, this is just the end of the year one summer. So, like, this is after I started getting medication and all that. And I went through, I think I went through th something like 26 to 30 beer in, over the span of, like, six hours. You finished and two, I just, two cases of beer in, yes. in six hours. Okay. Yeah, so I tell you, and I, you know what it is, and the fact that the scariest thing about it is that I sat there and I'm like that was easy. I didn't even like I was I was shit faced at the end of it. Like I was definitely drunk, but I was like I that was too easy, yeah. and I kept doing that. And I didn't I, I I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I look back and that was definitely the the worst of it. But I drank a bunch, I smoked more. I I would I'd say at any given point in the day, I would have to be at least inebriated in some way. I'd have to be slightly tipsy, slightly high. Um, or asleep. Those are the two like uh, ways of like me being like I, I could if I was conscious I had to have something. Okay. And and yeah, it was a uh, it was a moment of that. Actually, no, I shouldn't have said the thirty six is like a normal day. That was the worst one I had, and that was kind of the turning point in the substance abuse. But that was the worst one I had, where that is what it got into. Like it was so re it was so easy for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, dr drugs, alcohol, and then video games. I would game. Like I remember when they left. For a full day, I, I sat at the computer and drank for, well, like I drank for the six hours or like over the day, like six hours was like total. But for the whole day, I would spend anywhere from like 12 to 13 hours a day. All right. Every day. Mm. Okay. Uh, now, how much do you think like your environment and like the people around you sort of affected your, your, your mental illness? Um. I would say my the thing is that's un, that's that's funny, and I think a lot of other people with mental illness can look back at it. Not everyone, obviously, a lot of them have a, a sign or where it came from. But like my my biggest like I look at my environment, my family life, or my family is one of the strongest and one of the like pinnacles. And I'm very biased, obviously, but is is like a pinnacle of like a, a tight knit family. Like we always ate dinner together. No, we never t uh, no TV during dinner. We always would talk. Um, we would always help each other. We none of us had bad relationships with each other, and like my parents give me everything, right? Like I lived a very sheltered life. I lived on an acreage. I had everything paid for. Um, like I still had to go and get a job and things of like that. Look, my parents didn't completely pamper me, but at the same time, I had no real difficulty. I had a cabin, mm -hmm. right? I went to all that kind of stuff. My family life was fantastic. The problem for me was the school life, and I didn't realize until later on. Um, I think what it was is the environment that really kind of doomed me or that set me off mainly because it wasn't my family. My family was nothing but supportive. It was um, just when uh, going throughout school and I think a lot of like anyone, right? Almost every single person probably in existence has been bullied at one point or in some way picked on. 
And I remember I was elementary school, and for me, like my, I didn't realize until afterwards, St. Phillips, um, where I, I went, was I didn't realize how bad we were in like I'm not saying comparison. Everyone bullies, but like we had a we'd bullied out like out of the school. Like kids had left the school because of it. Almost I think seven boys by the time I graduated, like got to grade eight. So seven boys were bullied out of the school and wow. something like and something like thirteen girls or something like eleven girls. That's that's eleven or quite the quantity. Right? And that's a lot of them getting bullied out and I didn't realize how toxic that area was until like you kind of leave the high school and elementary school region. But I remember specifically, and it, for me, it was my weight. A lot of times it was my weight or um, uh, glasses a little bit, but it was always weight. Weight was always the one that came back to me. And because uh, I was at least funny enough that people could avoid like the I'm awkward or something like I'd at least have, have that going for me, the class clown. Mm -hmm. But um, what always would happen is in that school, I, I figured out in that environment to almost survive, you, you'd shift guilt or you'd shift blame or you'd figure out someone else to like, like, um, uh, what am I looking like a scapegoat? Yeah. You look at someone else and go, he's going to be the lightning rod. That's going to take all this abuse. And I remember passing it on to one guy and I won't say his name. Cause you know, that's, <laughs> I don't want to do him like that, but uh, there was a guy in our school. And I remember everyone would say like, if I, Hey Dan, you know, like, like something about my weight, Dan's fat of the pool or take off your shirt, I, whatever. doesn't matter what it'd be. Every time I would, I would take the comment I would like internalize it, right? I'll be like, that's still shit. And then I would take it and I would deflect onto this other kid. It's like, oh, that's true. But you know, have you seen, have you seen so-and-so like he's even like, I'm pretty sure he's where he wears two shirts or something like that. Right. So I would essentially pass the buck and then he get the worst of it. And he got bullied out, uh, I think at the end of grade seven. So he was my lightning rod, like my scapegoat for so many years. And I remember just afterwards is the environment of just constant bullying and all that kind of just nature and ilk. Um, that eventually just like, uh, the way, the best way to describe it is, is how my, uh, even my counselor described it to me is that through like, you know, how people have developmental cycles while they're growing, mm -hmm. like how, um, uh, when you're a kid, you learn to think in black and white. And then eventually later on, you're able to understand, uh, gray and the idea of concept thought, like concepts and all that. Like, as you grow, you're able to comprehend more and more of your, of your surroundings and how like the world works and yeah. how your mind is able to perceive and the best way I could, uh, my counselors described it to me and how like my depression presents itself is that somewhere when I was younger, like this would have been probably between, I don't know. I, I, like he, he coins it in the, in the grades of between the grades of like two to five or six, mm -hmm. where I essentially, since I was bullied to a point where my psyche took a break and like the, 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 the part of my consciousness that thinks in black and white took over and I didn't really develop too well the gray area or the area that said, Hey, this might be this or this, or it could be this. Mine was just, you were either like this and my mind was working in one way. You were either fat or you were, you were in shape. There was no in between. There was no, you know, well, you're, you're a little bit husky and you could maybe lose five pounds, but you're not bad. No, to me, it was like morbidly obese was fat. That was it. Right. I was fat and there was no other, no other alternative. I was fat and that, and, and there I correlated being fat to being a loser or to being, you know, uncool or anything. So that environment and that mindset was really the biggest thing that essentially I've like kind of narrowed it down to that led into me developing like depression later on, because eventually like the version of me that I, um, in, in that black and white mind, you make a version of yourself that you think this is the ideal picture of cool or the ideal person. You want to be this. And if you're not this, you're a failure. And I took, uh, in the moment I took my brother and I took Mike and I put him up on a pedestal and I said, that's the ideal, um, the ideal person. Cause he was really, at the time he was very popular, very outgoing, um, and ve like very well liked, was quite popular with women, all that. So I took that and I put on that mask and I tried to be, essentially I tried to be my brother mm -hmm. through, cause that black and white mindset told me that was how I was going to survive. So I took on the, the moniker a bit of like one aspect of my, I took on the moniker of class clown to be able to survive my school environment. But sorry, I got a really long winded there, but essentially that's what I think the biggest part of our, my environment playing a fact was the school environment. Okay. And that must've been a very tough thing to go through, especially, you know, uh, in the middle of right as sort of you're, you're going through puberty, you know, you're developing, uh, your hormones are way off the charts. Uh, and you know, just to have that sort of, external stress and pressure of, 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 of you know, all that affect you must have been 
uh, quite something to go through. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you, you, you touched on sort of uh, using humor to try and alleviate the, the situation. Uh, yep. You know, I, I find that a lot of t- a lot of what's going on currently is that if people do have sort of like insecurities or or bits of bouts of d- depression or, or, or mental illness or something like that, a lot of people tend to go towards um, humor as sort of uh, a mask. Um, yep. A lot of comedians uh, I, I have issues with with depression, but they're they're fantastic on you know screen and on stage. Uh, someone yeah. like you know Robin Williams was quite a, a, a shock, I think, to, to everybody to to see that you know he was going through depression and, and uh, you know uh, even though he sort of was this you know super funny, happy uh, type of person that you see. Um, you know, advance on screen and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, how do you how do you feel about sort of using people using you know humor as as a, a mask? Yeah. No. Um, and you're right. There's a lot of people. Um, like yeah, Rob Williams and even Jim Carrey's another one I know who who has quite a history of it. And I think that the biggest thing with humor, I think uh, sarcasm and comedy and just humor as general to to mask it, is that humor is such a I think humor is such a wonderful thing because it allows us to take anything, say, be it, you know, tragic, be it um, horrible, be it anything under uh, sad, depressing, anything. And you can, and you can use humor to take the power out of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, To the best of my, like the best way I can describe it is that like, so say, you know, you know, say for example, you can kind of go through and, uh, you know, a lot of times, even in our own friend group, you notice like, well, like even joke around, and be like, I want to die or something like that. It'll be like some like comment like that. It'd be like kind of dark, right? Like it sounds really dark, but the context it's put in and, or like someone would be like, well, you know what, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. And then they respond like, oh, it's all good. I'm already dead inside. Mm-hmm. Right. You come up with something like that. And though, you know, obviously maybe some people are truly kidding, but I think that a lot of people, at least to probably a certain extent, have, struggle with their own demons. Right. And so I think you say that and all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm dead inside, you know, and then you can take the seriousness out of it. You can you can add some levity to the fact that eh, maybe you're struggling, but hey, you can make a joke out of it. Right. Like you can laugh about it. You can. And when you laugh at it, it, it takes this like like depression. It takes this gigantic cloud, this huge. And no, it, it's not the only thing. I'm not saying it's like the the one key to getting over depression. It's not getting over depression is multifaceted and you need a lot of, a lot of different support mechanisms, but depression or comedy and humor is nice because you go that big cloud up there, you know, it's, it's raining, right? It's raining heavy and it's always raining. And, you know, instead of sitting there and just kind of sulking in the rain, um, you sit there and you kind of like start saying to yourself, you're like, well, this is just goddamn perfect. You know, it couldn't get <laughs> yeah. any, you know, it couldn't get any worse. I'm just sitting here. It's like, Oh, why don't you just throw a tornado while you're at it? All of a sudden, you take your mind out of that that big cloud, and that big cloud becomes more manageable, or it becomes less severe. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but yeah, comedy is an amazing way to mask it. And um, and yeah, like people like Rob Williams and other people that 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 end up, I you know, for him especially that he ended up committing suicide. I think that it's uh, it's common with them too, because comedians, why I think they're so funny, is that they have such um, uh, such a sarcastic view. Or they're able to take their own difficulties, trials and tribulations, and they're able to make them so humorous that everyone can find enjoyment in them. And so they can take their suffering and they can turn it into an art. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying every comedian is depressed. I don't think that's the case. But I think that a lot of the – you know, there's a lot of them that have a history of it. And I think that you take the power out of it when you can make a joke about it. Okay. Yeah, you sort of – you know, uh, when, you're, when you use humor, you, you sort of try and take control of – of some of the the feelings that that you're, you're you're going through, yeah, yeah, you you put it well. Um, you can you can take it and you can change the feelings. Mm-hmm. So right, like, and I remember before, like, I would I would view depression and go, oh, it's depression, it's terrible, it's why me, well, what was me, yada yada, right? You can think that all you want, but you're never gonna, it's never gonna do you any good. Okay. And so when I started thinking, I'm like, well, I got depression. Shit, you know what do we do now? I'm like, well, we we go forward, and you you make an example of it, and you make jokes about it, right? Like I I'll admit, and then maybe I'm a bit you know guilty of this more than I should, but I love I do enjoy making jokes about it. like oh, I'm dead inside, it's all good, you can't kill me, right? Or something like that, but like or how do you kill that which has no life? Yeah, or all that kind of stuff, right? Or 
and I like making fun of it because when I make fun of it, it turns it into like um like not like anyone would make fun of me and not amongst like even, like people would probably out in the out in the world but amongst my friends i don't have to because you, you like all of you guys have been you know very supportive and i'm very lucky for that but then i can take that that depression and i can like you know and i don't want to quote it like game of thrones but it is a pretty good quote he says he's like you know whenever you're insecure about or whatever is ailing you he's like make folk make fun about it turn it in like uh, you joke about it because then you take the, the the power out of it and you can wear it like armor mm-hmm. so it can never be used to hurt you yeah and it's and it's true like and now i view depression i go well you know it's depression it is what it is i got a chemical imbalance and you know if all the pills were gone i'd be fucked you know all whatever right you can like, make any kind of joke you want out of it but then at the end of the day i get to look at it and i get to go okay i'm not depression with a side of dan i'm dan who happens to have depression but that's okay yeah it's not it's not what defines you it's just a part no. of you no, exactly, and and I'm able to to, to, to um, differentiate myself from it uh, with using humor humor as well, right? I can take it away from myself. I'm like, well, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You can separate yourself from it now. Exactly. You you are on the the path to to recovery, I guess uh, is, yep. is is a way to put it. Uh, what are some small steps that you you try to do either in your daily life or you know just in in your routine that that helps you try, uh, 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 you know, sort of get better. Okay, yeah, that's um, this. And uh, also, I'll make you got to stop me. I might get I get long winded. Oh, it's, it's fine. OK, um, but uh, I think right off the bat, the biggest one you need to know is that if you're like for me, when I was at my lowest of low and people can say all they want about, oh, you know, just wake up. And just like be thankful for the day. I'll fuck that shit. I'll fuck all that shit. No, I, I people that say that kind of shit. I go, no, no, no. Yeah, you, you and your in your perfect world in your goddamn you know princess box. Okay, it works for you. For anyone who really and I, you know, if anyone ever actually listens to it, and even for myself, if anyone really does struggle or has any th- feelings of that, the best thing I can say is that seriously go in to a doctor and get and 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 tell them tell them how you're feeling and see maybe and they'll give you maybe they'll give you a questionnaire right or maybe they think well you know what we'll monitor this and we'll we'll keep coming back to it or maybe they even suggest well let's maybe try with a counselor talk to them see what they think get a third opinion cuz right off the bat you aren't thinking straight right like for me i wasn't thinking straight like right i was i was thinking suicidal that's not thinking well that was sorry that immediate with the pre- that was after but mm-hmm. still at the time you're you're not in the right of mind. You're you're in a different mindset. That's when you're out of it, you look at yourself and you go, "What the hell?" But in the moment, you can't see anything else. It, it's just like someone put up a wall of fog, right? You can't. There's no conscious like thinking of the future. There's nothing. You 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 can't. So right off the bat, admit, accept that maybe you have a, a problem or you have you, there's something wrong, right? And then go and talk to a doctor. See what they think. Like for me talking to a doctor was the only thing that really set me off on the right path right off the bat. Like obviously people around me, but me getting to the doctor and the doctor just telling me just the fact that the doctor could tell me, I think you may, I, I think you have depression. And she's like, I'm going to we'll run you through some of this, uh, th- these, um, these surveys. And after she ran me through a survey, she's like, you know what you, you came up. I can't remember what the categories. There's a lot of questions she gave me, but it's something like out of 64 potential points. I got something like 62 oh, or okay. 61. Right. So I would, but I was more of a severe case at the moment, but I think a lot of people when they hit rock bottom would probably be very close. Right. Or maybe even doesn't matter if you get above like a certain number, they consider you, Mm -hmm. but she went in and from there, just the fact that the doctor was able to tell me, Hey, it's not you. It's something that's affecting you. Right. And, and just that different, just that able to separate the, the feelings from your person, you can take and go, Oh, maybe I'm not a piece of shit. Right. Maybe I'm not like the, the guy who just wakes up and like, I'm just a pessimist, right? I'm a pessimistic asshole. Like <laughs> no, no one wants to be that guy. Yeah, right. Nobody wants so to. I would wake up and I would think I'm like, Oh, that's who I am. But then when she was able to tell me that that was the first step. So the truly am I one of the biggest steps? Cause that's the one you need the most. And for me, I talked to her and right off the bat and maybe it's not for everyone, but for me right off the bat, medication was huge. I, cause the, the me slain, laying in bed, like people go, well, you know what? Maybe just get up and do some exercise. Oh, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I can barely get out of bed. You think I'm going to get out of bed and do a jog? Are you kidding me? Like you might as well ask me to, oh, just swim to the you know bottom of the ocean and back. No oxygen tank. You do it. No, I can't do it. It's impossible. And so I remember for me, it was the pills 
where that with combination of that and a counselor were right off the bat. That was all I was able to do. Counselor was even took me a little while because I didn't, you don't even want to go to that. You're like, I don't care. There's what's the point. She's not going to help me. I'm still going to feel like this or he. Right. And um, I remember it was the pills got me from, um, and it's, and I, I keep changing my words here, but if you were to describe depression as a number system, let's say normal life is one to five, right? Mm-hmm. You're feeling a one to a five depression puts you at minus three. So like you don't, you're negative on everything. You don't care. And yeah. so like for the, the pills, all the pills do, do for you is they bring you for me, at least they brought me from minus three to zero or to one. They brought me to step one. That's actually a better way to put it uh, But They brought me to step one where they went, Hey, there is a slight sliver of light there. It's not much, but it's there, right? It's not complete darkness. And then from there, you're able to like build, just slowly start to build. And um, for me, the thing that really helped was, and I, I've actually told this to other people, the, the best way to describe it to yourself is you you get a list. And this is after, this is only after you've even been on pills. Like, I'm not kidding. You can't do this when you're in the lowest. Or at least I couldn't. But I, I, I made a list for myself. And, and physically, I, I wrote it out and I looked at it and I, and I looked at the list and I said, you know, things that I am bad at or things that I hate about myself, right? And if anyone is in depression or the lowest or, or anything, they know that it's really easy. It's very, you're really good at being critical of yourself, incredibly good. And so I, I wrote down everything. And then I took that list and I looked at it uh, like, and you have to look at it. And the way I did it is I talked to myself because when I, when I thought it in my own mind, it was 10 times worse than when I said it out loud, right? And so I'd say the list out to myself. And, and I go down the list. I go, okay, number one on the list, um, wait, right? And I, and I look at it and I go, can I change that? Is that something that I'm capable of changing, right? Even if it's little steps, is that something I'm capable of changing? I go, yep, that's something I can change. I put it in the one list, which means things I can change. And then the other list is things I can't change. The other thing I couldn't change, I sat there. I'm like, well, I wish I was taller. I'm like, well, fuck me. I can, I'm not getting surgery. I can't do anything about that, yeah. right? That's it. That, that, that one's gone. Um, and then on the other part of the list, I went, well, I don't like the way that uh, I don't like the way that my jaw looks I'm like, well, other than surgery, can't really do much about that. Right. That let's put that in something I can't change right now. Um, I didn't like the way I, I even I didn't like the way I sounded. I'm like, you can't do shit about that. Right. But then the other things I'm like, I was fat. I'm like, I can change that. Uh, laziness. I'm like, I can work on that. That's something I can change. It, it's part of me, but I can change it little by little. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing about that was money. Uh, I'm like, I didn't work enough. And when I did work, I called in sick. I'm like, I can change that. And and all I did is I took those, li- I took the list and, I, and I, I shoved, I essentially cut the list in half. I took the, the, the list that I couldn't change. I just threw it away. Uh, there's nothing I can do about that. I took the, I took the part of the list that says things I can change. And I picked each one. And this, and I just picked the smallest possible goal for myself, like with the weight, right? I'm fat. I want to, cha- I want to get skinnier. I looked at it and I said, what can I change? I'm like, well, I eat a lot and I'm hungry all the time. So I'm probably not going to stop being hungry anytime soon. Cause I'm always hungry. And I'm like, but maybe I can change what I eat just a little bit. So not like drastic. Cause you can't do drastic. Cause you'll, you'll give yourself false hope and then you'll quit. Cause you can't achieve a goal. Right. And you'll become defeated. Yeah. Small steps. But I, Small steps. And I took the goal and I said, fat, okay, let's just cut out pop for like one, like one, like, as you guys already know, for even to my day, my addiction to ginger ale, like I joke about it, but really like, at least I'm decent at it now. I get, I get dyed. I get other things, but I, I love, I love ginger ale. It's a, it's a, it's a a serious vice. Yeah. Yeah. It's comfort. And at the moment, uh, when I was really depressed, I would drink something like four to five cans of something a day, all every day. Ooh, ooh, so I'm like, okay. I can cut that down, right? Maybe I do three cans. Maybe I do four cans. I even, actually, you know what? That's not even true. I just cut down by one a day starting off. I said, let's do that for three days and see if I can do that for three days. I did it for three days. And I said, fuck yeah. And I was able – and the thing is, is that you need that little step of pride. You need that little hint of pride like you've done something. And then it's like almost like you're drowning, and then that's like a little little footstep comes up, right? A little island comes up, but it's just enough for you to put one foot on. Mm-hmm. So you you stand on that island and you go, okay, I'm really, I'm still really unstable, and I don't have much, to, I don't have where my, my like much room to move before I'm back in the water. But all of a sudden, then you make another goal, and you can achieve that goal, and then there's another footstep that you can put down, and then on the other end of it. I, I got to the point where I got scared because you get scared of failure. I looked at the list and I said, you have to say to yourself, I'm going to succeed in some of these. I'm also going to fail. I'm going to fail probably a lot. 
And the best way I, I told myself is I'm like, look at it and, and truly, and when something happens, you don't get it, right? I say, I'm going to stop being fat. I'm going to have five, four cans a day, and all of a sudden I have seven. I, and I did do that, right? I failed, stuff like that. That was genuinely a day I had. I looked at like, okay, give yourself familiar, permission to fail. And then try again and just say to yourself, okay, today I suck, right? Today I fucked up and I'm, I, that's it. Today's gone, but tomorrow I can try again. Yeah. Right. And then, so essentially making a list, letting yourself have really small goals, try to succeed in those small goals. If you don't try your best, and this is the hardest thing, right? You can say it 10 times, but really try your best to tell yourself it's okay. I'll try again tomorrow. And even if you try again and fail again tomorrow, just say, I'm going to try again. Cause you only lose when you stop trying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so in all, yeah. I, I like what you're coming, coming from. Like, like you worry about the things that you have direct control over. Right. Yeah. Forget about everything else. There's no, there's no point in worrying about stuff that's out of your control because all that's going to do is just build up more anxiety, more stress. And that's just going to affect your depression even more. Yep. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah, really no, cool. it, Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, re it's really cool to th you know, think about it that way. Um, now, I, I know you, you just briefly touched on like, you know, you listing out the things that you didn't like about yourself, right? Um, yep. So in your depression, you did have sort of like a, a negative self-image or yep. you know, self-hate. Um, I find that when I go through my own personal bouts of, of, of depression, uh, one of the key things that... Um, you know, really, really hits me is, you know, I still try to, yeah, I'm single. I still try to interact with women and, you know, talk to them and, you know, try get to the point where I could maybe ask someone out. Right. Yeah. I find that when I am in the sort of bouts of depression, a lot of the thoughts that go through my head is that, you know, Oh, she's only talking to me to be nice. Oh, she's only responding to me because yep. like, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to see, I, I get like, how how do you feel about sort of those thoughts uh, that go through your head when when you're you are in where, when you were in bouts of depression or whatever like did that you know strain relationships that you know put you uh, in a in a spot where you were afraid to you know talk to people meet new people mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Exactly, what you said uh, it's you get into your own head, and that's uh, I think another thing with anxiety even too, right? Is that you're overthinking everything so much that you, you sabotage yourself and, and you're right. And like when I was in my low, yeah, hundred percent, like even like, um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's other factors, but ultimately I, I truly think that depression was the biggest, one of the biggest reasons why like my, we might like, yeah, my last relationship fell out. Cause at one point I, the best, the way I knew about depression was I was upset and I was, and I was sad, but I didn't want anyone to see that I was upset and sad. So I pushed everyone away. That was my way of defending myself. I isolated. And unfortunately, when you isolate with a girlfriend, she takes it and I, and who wouldn't take it as I don't like you. I don't want to spend time with you. Right. Yeah. Cause that's human nature. If someone says, Hey, we're going to do something. And then all of a sudden they ditch on you and then they ditch on you again. And then they ditch on you again, 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 eventually you're going to go, well, they don't want to fucking hang out with me. And clearly that's so no, I definitely strained it. And, and that idea, cause I was, I was hanging out with her and my mentality was at the time, truly is i'd say i'm like well she's with me because she thinks i'm a person that i really am not right i'm like i, I i'm like she thinks i'm this outgoing funny maybe like all that whatever whatever she thought i was or whatever i'd like kind of built that character up to be i'm like i'm not i can't i can't put on this mask anymore i'm like she's gonna see through it and she's gonna realize i'm really just a quite a lazy shitty person who doesn't have you know, who's quite over, like, who's, who's like, who's dangerous to being overweight at the time as ironic. I was like damn near anorexic, but I was like, in all, I'm like, she's just, you know, she's just with me because just for right now, she's going to leave me any day now. And I remember I would, and I saw her at one point as a competition and it's weird that like my, my, my brain truly went into the mode that said, if you don't beat her, not like not physically, God don't, not like, you know, yeah, not no. like, no, no, I'm not, not like, no, but if you don't, if you don't compete with her and do better than her on majority of the stuff you do, she's going to leave you for someone who can. And I viewed everything as a competition. So I would say who has the more friends who does better in nursing, who's better with patients, who has, uh, who gets along uh, better with the nurses, everything. It was stupid. Right. Or who gets more attention at a club? Also, like I'm gonna win that, right? Yeah. Like that's a <laughs> that's a losing <laughs> battle right off the goddamn, you know, off the gate. Yeah. Like I thought that shit was gonna work anyway. But I truly viewed it like that, and that that strained a relationship heavily. 
and it got to a point where she truly she asked me she's like do you even love me and i'm like you know and i'm like yes i do but i i i think i loved a, like a concept of of you know oh i'm able to achieve because to me i remember at the moment i looked at her and i went well this is like a, an example this is proof that i'm not a complete piece of shit right like i have a i have a very pretty girlfriend right i'm like i this must mean that i'm and that's you know and i'm like this must mean i'm, I'm successful in some right and then my fear was if, if, if she ever went, I'm like, well, that clearly means that I can't have a, a pretty girlfriend, which means that I am not in any way successful, which is a stupid fucking way to think. Yeah, you're not right? desirable, but that, you know. No, but but that's how the mind works, right? When you're in depression, it's not the rational mind. It's not the – it's it's an instinctual mind. And like you said, right, you, you think about it and you're like, well, they're just with me um, or they're, they're just uh, with me for this or they're not – they don't want to be with me because of this. Or even if they are with you, they're just with you because of, I'm like, yeah, it's true. Uh, and that – that sabotaged my relationship heavily. And then even in, like, um, like I guess more so even Matthew would be the one to speak on this, but even like me and him, like our relationship got strained because we were best friends hanging out all the time, like working out all the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to work out anymore. And I didn't really want to hang out with friends anymore. And so I pushed him away and he would, and he got to a point where he, me and him would go out regularly. Then he just stopped. Like he would keep asking me cause he's a nice friend. But, uh, you know, at certain points, like I knew and I knew well enough that he, he stopped hanging out with me because I didn't want to go out. Yeah. And so or if I did go out with him, I'd be like, you know what? He hates it. He hates being out with me. I'm not fun anymore. I'm not fun like I used to be I'm like this. He doesn't like me for me. He likes me who the guy I tried to put on. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, you, you sabotage your own relationships. Yeah, and it, especially especially around sort of uh, when you're in that sort of phase, it's very telling of who your real friends are really are like, oh god it is are, it are is just, like invested in you no matter what because i mean like as you as you said you know you you decided to push matt away you know you didn't want to hang out with him and, and stuff like that but he comes back and constantly oh, hey, yeah you yep. want to go out you want to go out do you want to go out and i think i think it it's it's very it's those types of people that you want in your life to oh help yeah you get over this kind of stuff right oh man like no you couldn't have said it better and i i remember and like even to this day um i truly surround myself because i i'm always cognizant of the fact that you need people like that like i had toxic friends at one point i did like people who would uh like we always talk behind each other's backs and shit and even not with like them and i had another crowd that would just drink just drink heavily always drinking drugs and anything to par- and party all the time and i had a few different crowds and i you know and I have, you need to find the good people i remember with all my friends now i can list and I've done it before in a previous podcast, I can list every single thing about my friends that I admire and why I brought them close to me. Obviously, it's personality. Like, I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of duds right off the bat. My friends have to be funny in one way or another, right? Like, they have to be entertaining. Not every one of them has to be, but every, you know, but really every one of my friends, I have something about them that I admire and I want to emulate it. So I surround myself with people like that. So you constantly have a positive influence. And, And like you said with Matt, like other friends, right? Like I did have other friends who completely left it just, I like I dropped off the face of the earth and then for Matt I remember and and oh by, by the way that's not like some underhanded thing not, never with you or like you know any of my, re- my my regular friends here but like in my previous group I remember Matt was yeah the one guy who kept kept asking me and he knew my answer was going to be no or I'd say yeah and then I'd back out right he knew that because I'd done it to him fucking dozens uh, like you know 30 some up times and he kept trying he kept trying because you know he lo- as a friend he loved me yeah. And I remember from there, that was, it was like that and kind of encouragement where you go, like, and when you get out of that mindset, you're able to really appreciate it. And you're able to look on those and, and go, okay, this is why I like them. This is why they're my friend. And this is why I'll do everything I can for them, right. To repay yeah. the favor that they've done for you by setting an example. Yeah. So you went and like reevaluated all the people that were around you or that you yep. called, called friends and, and you yep. sort of decided that, Hey, these are the people that I can sort of cut out or maybe led to or feeds into my my depression. Yep, hundred percent. I, I I figured out the ones I needed to cut out, and unfortunately, I'm non-confrontational, so that doesn't ever go well. Because right, I'm like I'm trying to avoid the goddamn thing. Yeah. And but no, I I eventually just cut out more or less a lot of the people that uh, that were yeah we didn't lead well that that turned me into either petty or or a druggie or just anything right. I I didn't want that. I wanted someone that would push me. Yeah. And so that's where, like, for example, like, you know, you like for pretty much everyone on the podcast, like, you know, you guys are all my friends for a reason, right? I want to be surrounded by people who are pushing me in a, in a positive direction because especially depression, you're, it's easy. It's real easy to slip back back into that shit, right? 
Yeah, and it's 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 one of the things I like about this this podcast is that mm. it gives us a chance for all of us to hang out and actually you know speak to each other, and we're telling you know stupid stories about the stuff that's happened to us for the week or something like that, and it's it's, it's an outlet for us to sort of um, express our emotions, and and mm-hmm. you know everybody else just sort of helps you try and get over them. Exactly, and it's a it's a nice it's a nice forum because it's a nice way to to get out into the open and and like you couldn't do this right if you didn't have friends who were supportive yeah. you couldn't do this around people who are judgmental because then you'd be scared of actually telling them shit yeah yeah all right um uh, we're we're getting to the close to the end here um there is mm-hmm. just one more thing I I, I want to sure. ask you are you afraid of relapsing hundred percent um am I um I'm I'm aware that I like, I'm constantly, constantly worried about relapsing, but like, not constantly worried. That sounds like I'm neurotic about it. It's I'm always, no, actually, that's not far off. I am always cognizant. I'm always cognizant of if I stop trying or I stop really putting effort in, I will fall right back into the same person I was. Right. And I'll fall back. Right. And and like, I, and I, I still have lows. Like I, I, that's way, way I describe them to everybody, but I still have my lows. And I, I consider them like a, a mini relapse, right? Because it's not... It's not as bad as before, but it's still yeah, a bit bad. It's still bad. And the thing about depression, right? Especially with chronic depression, it, it doesn't go away. There's no... It, it, like, especially for me, eventually with my blood work too, they figured out that uh, chemically uh, my, my brain is off. So it's a combination of... It's a lot... Depression so every time you're like, what's the cause? It's multifaceted bullshit. A lot of it. It's a lot... Like, not bullshit. It's a lot of things put together. But... um I'm always cognizant of the fact that if I stop um, eating well, if I stop going out, if I stop talking to my friend, uh, socializing with you guys, if I stop, um, even in general, like if I stop uh, being exercise, I know that if I stop these things that keep me afloat, and I, I should have mentioned before, my three pillars, like my three pillars, uh, and I call them that, of success, if you want to call them that, is I have died in exercise. Mm-hmm. That's huge, huge. And people who don't pin ex- exercise chemically changes how you feel. You, it, it, there's no, there's scientific proof on it. Exercise and diet is huge. Second thing I'd say right off the bat is counseling. Counseling is another big one. You need to talk to someone, right? Like kind of our podcast says you need to have someone to vent to. Someone that's a, th- that's a third party that's non-judgmental. And then the third thing you need is, especially if you're really low, is meds. And luckily in my case, I've gone to the point where I don't, I, I'm off meds. I've been off meds now for almost a year and I've been successfully off meds, right? Because I, I, I keep those two other pillars active and I keep them strong. So if I, if I, for example, even this Corona threw me for a loop because all of a sudden the gym's closed and closed, all of a sudden my, and then the worst thing is on top of my counselor moved <laughs> at the <laughs> I'm not kidding you. So I sat there and went, oh, here's my two pillars that are holding up my, my, my life or my, my balance, and they are both gone, and now I'm just fucking free-floating. I'm like, well, that's great. So it took me a while. And like I still had a – like I remember when I was at my parents, I had a bit of a low, but never as bad, right? I just called them a bit of low because before I'd be in a low, and I'd be in a low for a week. Now I'm in a low for a day, and I'm back the next day. Yeah. And uh, But yeah. Are you – Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Are you able to like when you when you do sort of hit these these periods of, of lows, right? Are you like do you look back and go, hey, at least at least I wasn't as bad as I was then, and 100%. then still try and make you know steps to climb out of that valley so that you can reach you know uh, uh, your peaks. Yeah, hundred percent. And the uh, one other reason I think that's uh, good for that is to keep a journal. I and I I say this, but I'm I'm actually quite a poor practitioner myself is uh, you take a journal and you mark down, especially when you're low, when you're really low, you mark down when you're really low and then you, or you mark down every day and you can really look back. For example, I can look back at a journal I wrote two years ago and holy shit, right? Like I'm, I'm way different than I was two years ago. Like I still have lows, but my lows weren't like they were two years ago, right? And even two years before that would have been worse if I was journaling then. So that's kind of a nice way to be able to track it. And you can always reminisce and think to yourself, I know I'm doing better than last time, but it's also nice to be able to see it. Yeah. I, right? I like how you how you touched on, you know, keeping a journal because um, as most people probably know, I, I went down to Seattle for the States there for about four months and just because mm-hmm. I was burnt out and a bit depressed and I, I wanted to, to, you know, get better. I started journaling then and I'm still doing it now. And I just – Fuck yeah. 
I, I, it's very, I guess, cathartic to be able to, you know, put whatever the hell you're feeling just into, into words onto paper. And even now I find myself going back and looking at stuff that happened, you know, back in October, back in November, yeah. December and going, all right, here's our, here's, here are moments where I felt really shitty about myself. How yeah. did I try and get over that? Right. And you can see the progression. And I think that's, that's a, a very, very useful um, uh, I guess metric of of yeah. know, gauging your own depression and stuff like that. You just see sort of like the progress and the the, the semi successes that you have as as you you know go on and move about your your daily life. Yeah, uh, no, you're uh, you, you said it very well. It it's able it gives you a metric that you can really truly measure, right? Because you can always say, oh, I think I'm doing better. But how the fuck do you really gauge it? Unless you have photographic memory and know exactly, which would actually be a curse in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Really, fuck! If you photographed everything, like I already relive all my shitty memories. I don't yeah, need to. That's 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 what you know. Lying in bed, you, you you're just trying to go to sleep, yeah. and you remember something. You, you called yeah. your teacher mom in like the sixth grade or something like that. And it's like right. Oh, that can really it makes sense, right? Because all of a sudden you have no distractions, and your mind is able to wander. And when your mind wanders, it goes to the dark places really easy. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. No, right. yeah. Dan, we'll, we'll, we'll um, is there is there anything else you want to you want to say? No, man. Uh, I think uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Um, I, I guess if, like, again, for our God knows how many, like, one through five people that listen. Um, sorry, that always sounds insulting. I don't mean, you know what I mean? But, like, you know, just, to, yeah. To make mean, a joke. We're, we're, uh, we're being realistic here. We're being realistic. I'm not trying to be a dick. But yeah, anyway. Um, though I will say our production value has increased tenfold. We're getting, you know, no, no thanks to myself. <laughs> anyway, um, but really what I'd like to say is if, if anyone is listening that truly does have any feelings like that, right? And it can be anywhere in the spectrum of depression or anxiety, try to talk to someone. Fucking talk to someone, please. You know, because like the best way, you know, the world may be dark, but it's uh, it's probably it's more or less probably brighter with you in it. So please talk to someone. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Hey man, thanks for having me. I'm glad I'm glad to be able to talk to you about it. It's nice to to yeah to be open about it. Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoy doing this this entire series. Just being able to sit down with with my friends individually and sort of talk to them about what I think is sort of key categories that they can weigh in on. No, I, I was gonna say it's a really good idea and and genuinely like it, especially because I've done at least my own interview for like nursing. You're you're damn good at it. So no, I I think it's a great idea. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Dan. Um, and to everybody listening, we will be back with uh, one more uh, uh, a series, the, the end here uh, of the series with, with my buddy. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be with Sylvan. So uh, tune in for that, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.